0: Well, hey, we have two messages left in this series called Trust the Process. This message is probably one of the more challenging messages. And, um, oh, before, before I get a little, before I get too far, I want to give you guys a little, uh, a little heads up. So next week, we're going we're gonna to finish this series. But on October 31st, you guys are going to be in for uh, a special surprise I have asked Brian Watts to bring the word on October 31st. So Sunday morning, October 31st, I'm I'm not going to be gone somewhere. I'm going to be here because I want to hear Brian preach as well. And so make plans to attend. Just because the pastor's not preaching on October 31st doesn't give you the opportunity to skip because you want to be here to hear uh, uh, Brian Watts share with us. In fact, Brian, there was a moment, there was a brief moment last night when I was like, maybe I should call him and ask him if he's ready to go because I could... I could take tom- tomorrow. Today would have been a good day. but uh, So Brian's going to share it in two weeks. But we're going to wrap up this series uh, next weekend. But t- today, maybe one of the more challenging messages of this series. Because have you ever noticed that in life, that kind of in all things, sometimes things get a little bit harder before they get a little bit easier. Have you ever learned that? This move. Things have gotten harder and now we're on, hopefully we're on this stretch where they're going to get easier from here. In fact, I, I told the Sunday school class this morning, I may put a date on the calendar. And if it hasn't been unpacked by this date, it's going to Goodwill. Um, there's totes out in that shed right there that I, I packed when we moved to South Dakota. Never opened, took them back to Oregon. Never opened them, took them, and now they're here. And I still haven't opened them. So I don't know what's in there, but... Um, would you like a mystery box (laughs) the eastburn's life you may get tucker's fourth grade it's my oldest son anyway things often get a little bit harder before they get easier and uh, the beauty of our faith and the beauty of who jesus is is i don't know if you're familiar are you guys familiar with the sermon on the mount matthew chapter five six and seven this was probably one of the um this is the, the the teaching of jesus the arguably the greatest message preached uh, ever. And we, we find it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the interesting thing about Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is we get this once from Matthew. But I really believe that everywhere Jesus went, he preached portions or all of this message time and time again. This was his message. The beauty of Jesus and the difference of being a pastor and Jesus was kind of like a traveling evangelist and we've had those here at our church before. The beauty of those guys is they, they preach two or three messages, they move on, they preach the same two or three messages. to. They don't have to preach 52 Sundays a year. You know, Jesus, you know, he didn't come up with 52 different messages. He had one really solid one and he took it everywhere. He went, well, that's kind of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is, um, is it, this is where the, the life and the faith of a Christian Really, the rubber meets the road he gives us clear directions on how to live as Christ followers how to, how to how to how to deal with so many different things and this is where kind of our faith journey gets a little bit harder but if you can if you can make it through and if you can adopt and practice what D- Jesus teaches in Matthew 5 6 and 7 our faith journey is designed to get easier but this teaching is a little bit harder and when he teaches on the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches about so many different things. He te- teaches about, mer- uh, uh, about marriage. He churches, teaches about, um, about anger. And if you, you know, you remember the scripture where he says, you know, if you've harbored anger in your heart against somebody, you've already killed him in your heart. And if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery with her. Um, and so he teaches on some really challenging, deep things. But in Matthew chapter 6, he, he focuses on what the life of a Christian should look like in some a couple of different aspects and that's what i want to look at today uh, and i i, I, I want to look at it with the, the kind of the framework of sometimes things get a little bit harder before they get easier and so if you have your bible with you would you turn with me to matthew chapter 6 we're going to look at verses 1 through 18 this morning it's a bit of a lengthy uh, piece of scripture but it's a good scripture if you have found it, I'm reading from the NIV today, and uh, if, you, if, you're, if you don't have it with you, you, the words will be on the screen. The first, the, there's really three sections of Scripture here with three headings. It, I don't know if your Bible has headings. Does your Bible have little headings on there? So the first one, Matthew chapter 6, talks about giving to the needy. And so this is what, this is what it says. It says, be careful, Jesus says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. now verse 5 starts the second section which is on prayer jesus says and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly i tell you they have received their reward in full now let me pause for just one second this is one of the most convicting pieces of scripture that 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 i have as a pastor because whenever i get up in front of you to pray it's like i'm always like is this too much about me i mean When I, in fact, I don't know if you noticed, but I try to just pray as as if I were having a conversation. Um, You know, there are people who are way more eloquent than I am, but I always I'm always convicted that I don't want to tread the I want to be careful that I don't tread or step over a line of listen to what the beautiful words I have rather than to the one we're speaking to. It says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on like babble, don't, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Hey, if you have your Bible with you, would you read this with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive one another when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. who sees what is done in secret will reward you now these three things can be looked at as instruction they can be looked at as part of the process of developing and growing in our faith but they can also be looked at as warnings as warnings about how to live a christian life and how to you know things not to do that would affect our christian walk it says practicing righteousness and doing good works because practicing righteousness and doing good works that's part of the Christian life in fact do you remember back in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 where Jesus said let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven see Jesus does give us this command of letting our light shine letting our light shine so that the world can see what God is doing in us and through us See, we do good works so that people will see not what we have done, but what God is doing through us. And what we do in public, what we do in the world in regards to our Christian faith is not to draw attention to ourselves, but to point people towards God. See, there's a, but there's a danger. And this danger was very prevalent during the time Jesus was teaching. See, the Pharisees and the people of the day they had fallen into the sin of, of trying to to to, um, to to self-proclaim themselves, to, to prop themselves up. To, you know, for most of the Jews at this time, the Pharisees, the religious rulers, they were the ones that called all the shots. They had all the benefits, and and they spent a good portion of their life and in, in their vocation as Pharisees trying to keep the peace in their faith so that they could keep their position in their culture and along with their position between the Roman Empire and themselves. They didn't want anything to happen that would change the status quo. And see, when Jesus shows up and he starts preaching differently, and all of a sudden the Roman Empire is now, wait a minute, an insurrection is coming, the Pharisees were like, no, 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 we can't take that. Because if if this goes the way that Jesus is talking about that's going to change everything. And so instead of us being the ones that everyone looks to for faith, they're going to look, other, they're going to look uh, elsewhere. And so this, the, the Pharisees and the people of the day, they, they kind of fell into this sin of you know, making themselves out to be more than they were. See, in each one of these sections, Jesus begins with a warning. He teaches his disciples what they must not do when they're doing good works for God. The, the, the warning is that we should not do these good works with the motivation that other people see what we're doing, but that other people will see God through us. So when Jesus talks about beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order for them to see, your, to see you, he's warning us against something that, that very easily we fall into. It's very easy for us to fall into the trap of look at all the good I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Little kind of side thing, little piece of this. Some of you know that uh, before I became a a Christian, I was a professional baseball umpire. And some of you know I I still officiate high school football and I still officiate high school basketball. And um, a lot of times when the striped shirt guys walk in the, the gym or onto the field, people don't they're not really glad to see us very often, right We're kind of a necessary evil okay um, and part of that is there's there's a there's there's a portion of people who officiate who come in to walk onto the field, walk onto the court with a bit of arrogance. Have you ever seen that before? have you ever you know and have you ever heard this phrase, hey, people didn't come to see you. Well, I didn't pay $50 to come see you, Mr. Referee, right? And, and, but there's this natural, there's this born into us, not just officials, but in others, there's this born in kind of arrogance. There's this born in pride in us that says, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And, and ironically, in my, in my lifetime, the reason I always share this with you is I was one of those guys I mean, when I was a professional baseball umpire, one of the almost first things that you learn that they never teach you is how to walk on the field with this arrogance, with this attitude, with this... And, and when Christ got a hold of my life, I all of a sudden recognized, oh my goodness, I'm, that's one of the most offensive things ever. And when Christ got a hold of my life is when humility started to really surface in my life. I started to recognize these things. And I think I became a better official. Because I recognized my position wasn't as great or as grand as I thought it was. And so Jesus is addressing this human condition, this this issue that many of us have of thinking we're more than we really are. So beware of practicing your righteousness before other people just so that they see you do that righteousness. In verse 5, they're praying in the synagogues and street corners to be seen by others. In verse 16, they're disfiguring their faces when they fast so that they're seen by others. See, the the thing is, is when we serve God, we should do so not desiring to be seen by others. But that sounds counterintuitive, Pastor, because we want people to see how good God is. Yes, just show them how good God is, not how good you are showing people how good God is. So do not let your motivation for doing good be what others see or know what you're doing. See, this is a warning for how subtle our pride can be. Do you know that pride can be just an overwhelming, outlandish thing, but it also can be very subtle? Our pride can be very subtle and very, uh, very almost under the radar, but it's there. Someone once said, There is no greater rival for the love of God that we owe Him than our own human ego. Hmm. notice what jesus says about this if our motivation is for self when we when we do good works then we already have received our reward here right now and when we have no and and we will have no reward from our father well what is this reward we're talking about well if you're doing it for yourself if you if you're if you're if you're you're serving if you're doing things for attempt to get the 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 reward that you're receiving um first it's the thing is is praise from other people that's the only reward you'll receive that's it that's that's where it stops and the reason the the only receive the 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 only reward that we'll receive is the one that other people give you this is um this is the kind of this is the kind of recognition that's trivial it's really useless i mean the, the the praise from other people uh it, it may be nice, it may be uh, encouraging to you even, but it, in the long run, it only lasts as long as... It, do, do you know that sometimes um, someone, and I don't know if you may have done this even yourself, it's very easy to praise somebody one moment and curse them the next. It, it's really easy for us to, to flip the way that we think or look at someone very quickly. And see, so the praise from people, it's, it's trivial. It's temporary and can even be useless. See, when we focus on receiving praise from people rather than God, we are exchanging our eternal reward, what God will give us in heaven when we get there, for reward here on earth. We're, 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 we're exchanging that eternal reward for a temporary moment of praise. And that's just foolish. Because as soon as that moment of praise passes, a moment of criticism could come right behind it. Second, doing good can be of no worth to God when we're doing it to honor ourselves rather than God. Which means when we serve, our hearts must be pure and God must be the object of everything. That is the one thing about, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if you've served, and I've only been out with them one time, but the Blessing Wagon team, they practice this. They go out to serve the Lord. It is not about what, the, I mean, it is, it's a simple silver van. In fact, when I first got here, Victor and Sean, I have to tell you, I'm thinking, we need, a, we need more flashy stuff on that, van, on that trailer. We need, we need a bigger sign or something. But the more I think about it, no, we don't need a bigger sign. Someday we need a bigger trailer, right? Because we, we, we don't need to just go to Illyria. We can go to Amherst and Lorraine and Grafton. Someday, who knows, right? Not so people see that what we're doing, but so that people can be blessed by what God is doing. See, our hearts must be pure, I loved it. Do you guys know that Grace, you know little Grace, 8th grader? She goes out every time on that blessing wagon. Every single time. She's amazing. If you've not gone out with a blessing wagon, you need to. You really need to. But we have to do things with a pure heart, recognizing that God will reward us for those efforts. And it isn't about what we gain for ourselves. Although, I guarantee if you go out on the blessing wagon and you've never done it before, you're going to be more blessed than the people that we're serving. I, I know. You'll walk away going, why did I wait so long to do this? Proper giving, proper prayer, proper fasting requires a pure heart, a proper heart that's not motivated by self. And it's easy to, uh, to let other people know what we're doing, but it's hard to not desire or to not draw attention to ourselves when we're serving. Look at verse 2. It says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus says not to blow a horn every time you do something good. Do not advertise. Do not make a name for yourselves. Do not do things in a way so that you will certainly receive praise for what you've done do you, do you ever wonder why they put the names of people on football stadiums you know do you ever know why they put like you know the name of somebody on the high school football field cuz they gave money they're a donor and yes they're thankful and they're grateful for that but do you know why they keep doing that cuz someday they want Victor to want his name on that football stadium Someday they want, they want to coerce me into wanting to have my name on that. That's why they put the... I mean, it's not to just recognize the person that gave the money. They want to keep encouraging us to donate to that so that our name can be up in honor. Our name can be on a plaque in the hallway of the high school we went to because we gave money. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. But that shouldn't be the motivation, right? Now the reason... That, they're, that they do that is because they don't want fewer donations. They, they want people to continue to want to give so that they can be recognized. People always do things for personal praise and honor. They're all, uh, unfortunately, we have this underlying kind of thing about us that we always kind of want to seek glory for ourselves. You could say that humans are glory seekers, kind of glory thieves. Stealing the honor of a rightly just and sovereign God. And this is a sin of the heart. And we must fight against it. It's part of the process. And you'll notice that in each of these three sections, Jesus calls people hypocrites. That's pretty harsh language. I mean, can you imagine if, if, if every time I preached, I stood up here and called you a hypocrite? You probably wouldn't want me around very much longer. But Jesus, he says three times in this most famous message, You hypocrites. You hypocrites. In fact, did you know that on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached, he was like, guess what all you guys? You put him on the cross! Man! I'm a much kinder preacher than he. But consider what Jesus declares. Jesus says that a person can give every appearance of being righteous but not be righteous at all. They can play the part and they can look the role but be nowhere near righteousness. They're hypocrites. They're just fooling other people. We shouldn't be surprised by this. People are going to claim to be Christians and seem to be Christians right before our eyes, but they're not Christians in their hearts. Jesus had to deal with the fake people in his day and nothing has changed today. So how do we practice righteousness? The principle of how to live before God is laid out in verse 3. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you act for God, forget about yourself and forget about others. Just think about God. Keep what you're doing between yourself and God. Do not even announce what you're doing to your own heart. Do not make a big deal about what you're doing in your mind. Do not seek your own glory and your acts of kindness or righteousness. You'll notice this repetition throughout all three of these paragraphs. He says the same thing. Verse 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Do not stand on the street corner or stand in the synagogue. When fasting, Jesus says, wash your face and anoint your head so that you do not reveal that you are that what you are doing for the Lord. Essentially, you know, as you fast, don't, don't make yourself look like you're half dying. Clean yourself up. You may have an empty belly, but act like you're full. Make everybody believe, understand that you're full. Not because you're faking, but because what you are withholding God is refilling right so we act in certain ways and we make ourselves look certain ways so that people will ask and when they ask we give the, we're given an opportunity to talk about what we did I mean do you think about yourself or others when you're doing good deeds I guarantee you that when our folks go out for the blessing wagon they aren't thinking of themselves They're not thinking about what they're doing, how good, look how much good we're doing. Essentially, we should just do what we're called to do and not think about what others think. If others know or if others will command, if they see it, then that's that's glory to God. God sees the good. Now consider, what's your motivation for doing what you do? In Jesus' name, Jesus three times says that our Father sees in secret, and He will reward us. And and when we think about this, what do you think? I mean, what what do you think when we say reward? Do do you do, do, do you um do you think a gift? Do you think um do you think there's some prize at the end? You know what the reward that that, that Jesus is talking about? The reward that he's talking about is when you get to heaven, Jesus says, well done, and you spend eternity with a holy God. That, that's the reward. It's not, it, it ain't a big mansion. I don't know if there's golf courses up there. I don't know if there's jet skis and boats. I, I don't know what heaven really looks like, but here's what I believe. I believe I'm going to be so consumed with a good and righteous God that it isn't going to matter. Right, And the reward is that. And not receiving that reward is just being separate from Him. Being separate from a holy God. And here's the thing, when we serve and when we do things, and and every time the blessing wagon goes out, whether it's rain or shine, whether it's hot or cold, whether we, we go away from serving meals in people's lives, whether that that makes any other difference than filling their belly that day, God sees what we've done. God sees what has been done. And God will use that in every person who's received. See, when you're prayer in heart and you're in spirit, then the secret things you're doing and the righteous acts you're performing that you think no one else knows about, God does. God does. Your righteous acts will find you out and God knows what you're doing. And all that should matter to us. It should matter to us that God sees what we do and how we do it. God knows what you're doing for the Lord. God knows what I'm doing for the Lord. And it doesn't matter if anyone else notices or recognizes. I want to tell you something. I have this vision, I have this, this thought that, that God is going to bless our church beyond anything we could possibly comprehend. That God's going to grow this ministry, that maybe someday we're, we're going to have campuses all over Lorain County. We could. is just this vision God gave me. But guess what? If one person comes to know Christ and nothing else happens, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. It doesn't matter if this church is filled Or empty as long as one person every time we open this Bible has an opportunity to embrace a God who lived and died for them. That's all that matters. And this should be how we approach everything that we do. This is how we should approach the work of the kingdom of God. Do what you're called to do. Do it well. And let God be in control of the results. Let God have the results. So how can we work in the kingdom of God in the way that God approves? How can we make sure that we have the proper motives before we do acts of love and service? First, ask yourself, what are you seeking for your righteous act? I mean, what are you you trying to gain from serving the Lord and what you're doing? Are you seeking God's approval or self-approval? are you seeking god's approval or the approval of people second when we when we look at prayer we see that prayer is in the center of every discussion see prayer is a critical component component of us discovering what we should be doing with god and for god and so prayer must also be in in, in this spirit of god i, I don't want you to to do what I'm asking you to do necessarily. I'm asking you to reveal to me through prayer what you want me to do. And whatever you say, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to be obedient. And prayer should be the hub of our righteousness. Prayer has a great way of leading and guiding, but it also has an incredible way of checking and recorrecting. Have you ever experienced that in your life? You've been praying in one avenue, Oh, Garth Brooks—he's famous for that one song. What is it? How's it go? Something about some of the greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. You ever heard that song? No country fans in the room. There we go. Unanswered prayers. You know, some of those, some of the best moments are when God says no. And there's no better way to check our hearts and rid ourselves of pride than when you pray, especially before you, you, you jump out in faith to serve God. Pray and ask God, use me today, God. Use me, make it, you know, the, the, the kind of the under, the unwritten motto of all sports officials is we want to show up and go completely unnoticed. That should be the true motivation. And the true motivation of a Christ follower should be, I just want to serve God and go truly, completely unnoticed. Pray for the right heart. Pray that God's will will be done. Pray that God is glorified. Pray for the power to not tell others about what you're doing. Pray for the joy of knowing that we are pleasing God. And let prayer lead your acts of righteousness. Here's the danger. Here's the danger that Jesus wanted to address. Don't try to impress others with your relationship with God don't try to impress others with your relationship with God and it's always tempting it's always tempting to do the right thing for the wrong reason so what can what, what can do the what can we do to do the right thing well when you serve and, and worship God um, you serve and you worship out of humility do you know that you can do the right thing for exactly the wrong reason? You know, you can worship God. You can be doing the exact right thing, but doing it for the wrong reason to improve your status, um, to, to make other people think you're further along in the journey than you are. That's why um, I always get a little nervous. Um, I always get... i got seven minutes. I'm going to diverge just a minute. This, can, this might sound weird. This isn't my notes at all. Um, you've all been in places where you're seeing a performance or you're seeing somebody do a speech or you're seeing some, somebody do, play a song or whatever. And Kristen and I, we kind of have this unwritten, we have this little phrase. When, we're, when, when, when something's a little bit embarrassing or whatever, um, w- when we're watching somebody speak or perform or something, I'll lean over to her and I will say, honey, my hair is on fire. My hair is on fire. And I never want to be standing in that front row, worshiping and raising my hands and have any one of you go, my hair is on fire because of what Pastor's doing. Because I want it to be, I want, every time I raise my hands, every time I worship God in that way, it's between he and I. And I don't care what you think about it. And if he says, fall down on your face right now, I want, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And I don't want to do it because you think or expect me to do that. Or if you stand in the back going, gosh, why is he waving his hands? Why is he, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but I don't want any of you to ever go, boy, my hair is on fire because of my pastor." Now, during Christmas, you just might because of some of the outfits I wear. And I showed some of you. I gave some of you a preview of Christmas shoes. Who, who saw the Christmas shoes? Anybody in the room yet? Although, Shab. I showed, showed Melissa. Anyway, we shouldn't be pursuing God to impress others. And we can do a lot of religious things, and we can completely miss the point. We can go through the motions. We can attend church. We can pray we can give we can serve and we can completely miss the point and it's not that those things are wrong in fact they're they're critical they're important to our faith journey but whenever we pursue these things and don't pursue god we're putting our souls in danger did you know that you're putting our souls in, jo- in danger it's kind of like this and i'm going to wrap up this way it's like this man who died and he was standing at the gates of heaven ready to be admitted admitted in I don't know if this is how the process goes, but it's a funny story. And so he gets to the, to the gates of heaven, and Peter meets him. Not sure if it's Peter who meets him. I don't know. I, I haven't been there yet. So, and he says, Peter walks up, and he says, oh, okay, well, welcome. Uh, it's going to take you a 1,000 points to get into heaven. 1,000 points. Wow. Okay. He says, well, what, uh, Peter says, what have you done to earn your points? Well, the man replied, he says, well, I've, uh, I've never heard this before, but I think I'll do okay says, I was raised in a Christian home and I've always been part of a church. Peter says, one point. Well, I never missed Sunday school. One point. I went to a Christian college and, I, and a Christian graduate school. Well, one point. I've, I've led several people into a, relation, a personal relationship with Jesus. Peter says, well, one point. He says, well, I'm, I'm an elder at my church now, or I was, and, and I was quite supportive of the church, And the pastor, Peter says, great, one point. He says, well, I have three children, two boys and a girl. My oldest boy, he's a pastor. The younger is a staff person with a ministry to the poor. My daughter and her husband, they're missionaries. He says, great, great, that's good, one point. He's starting to add it up. He's like, I'm not doing so good. There's a 1,000 points. So he's going to pull out the big gun, right, the tithe gun. He says, well, I've always tithed to the church. In fact, just before my death, I was given 30% of my income to the church, thinking that's going to get him in. Peter says, well, that's one point. He says, he's got seven points. What else you got? And the man says, I don't know what, 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 the man says, good Lord, good Lord, what must it take? Have mercy on me. Peter says, there it is, 993 points. Come on in. See, and 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 I wrap up with that to say all of those faith things that we do, giving, serving, praying, those things are all critical to the process of our faith. But our heart has to be pure. And we have to come at it with that pure heart. And, and, and and, and there are people in this room, and I could, I could, I could pinpoint you. It, just in the few months I've already been with you that I know, man, you guys are doing it. You're, you're doing that. I mean, um, th- there's effort that is done around this building by some of you that is only done from a pure heart. Um, when, when people have showed up in July to unload a truck and then showed up again yesterday to reload the truck and then unload it, that's a pure heart. I mean, that, that, those are, I mean, nobody, the only person that has a pure heart than who helped us move is somebody who paints. Paint, paint, paint. That's like the worst thing ever. But yeah, Cheryl didn't, she didn't get that right away. But anyway, but let's, go, let, let's just approach this process with a pure heart. And say, God, what do you want me to do? And if He calls you to do it, you do it. And it's not about, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to miss the ladies' tea because I'm not a lady. If you didn't notice, but I'm also going, but I'm uh, I'm also going to be I'm going to be preaching at a at a retreat in Texas that weekend. But the the and it's going to be beautiful. I, I, I can only imagine what it's going to look like in this room. But. The ladies' tea, even though it's gonna be beautiful and gorgeous, it's, it's not about, if you host a table, if you sign up to host a table today, your table can look beautiful, but it's not about your table. It's not about the table. It's not about the food. It's, not, it's about connecting with someone in your sphere of influence who may need Jesus that you could bring to an event like that and build a relationship or deepen a relationship in a way that gives you an opportunity to share with them the hope that you have tucked away inside of you because Christ lived, died, and rose again for you. Everything we should do should have that one singular purpose. And if we're doing that, if, the lady, if somebody comes to Christ because of the lady's tea, sweet. Right? So don't get all caught up in all the other stuff. Focus on the main thing. And as your pastor, I promise you, as long as I'm your pastor, we will always do that. We will always focus on the main thing, which is leading people into a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the the teaching that we're able to unpack where, where Jesus teaches some hard things and he even looks at some of us and says, hey, you're a hypocrite because what you're doing in front of everybody, albeit good, should be done with a purer heart with, with, without this, this implied or, or desired, hey, look at me. Recognize what I'm doing. And, and so, Lord, I know, I, I sense and I believe that the, the spirit in the heart of our church is that purity and that humility help us to continue to do that help us to continue to be so focused on the main thing which is leading people into relationship with you that everything anything and everything that we do as a church would have that would have that one simple purpose and we're going to do it in a way lord that brings honor and glory to you and not ourselves help us as individuals recognize that we can serve you in such a way that no one ever sees but God, it makes all the difference in the world. May you help us to know exactly uh, what you call us to do individually and collectively, corporately as a church. Help us to be obedient to those things. Obedient because you called. Obedient because you received the glory and the honor. And we're just a part of the process. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you guys. Have an awesome day.